Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's done this 199 times before. It's Richard Herring! <laughs> Thank you very much. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. I was hanging around with uh, the fun boy Free and Bananarama in 1982. It might have been them, or it might have just been some people from my school uh, in a dark room in an attic, and uh, they were all kissing, but I was just looking at them. Uh, they call it Relistopus, so I don't know if that's, that might catch on. That might just go since 1982. Yeah, it's, uh, it's episode 200. It's fucking amazing, isn't it? Uh, that's something to be uh, proud of, I suppose, in a way. And I kind of hoped I'd get a TV show by now, but it's, you know, we're, we're here. And we're in control of our own destiny. In a way, this is better. Oh, you came back from last week. Uh, so I went on. I thought, I thought you looked excited about the 200th. Oh, I wish I'd visit the 200th one. <laughs> so um, still, I'm still a little bit drunk from last week again. It's a very strong beer. Very strong beer, and I intend to drink some more of it uh, before... Uh, the sad process at the end of the series. This is the last show in the series as well, of course, series 14. And uh, what happens is I now get in a van with some men and go back to Hertfordshire with my chairs. 
So we're not allowed to store it at the Leicester Square Theatre until February. We're not allowed. <laughs> not bitter about it. 180 pounds it costs to take those chairs back to Hertfordshire. <laughs> but, but I get to go too, and I'm looking forward to riding the van. If it's anything like the ride in the van with the chairs, it's going to be quite a roller coaster hair racing experience. <laughs> driving in a big van with some people who don't usually drive down country roads and uh, if this is my last ever show as a result please put it out with my blessings and I'd like Adam to hold a picture of me looking sad uh, anyway talking of that our guest this week is probably best known as the second best podcast involving a man walking a dog around a field <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's his fourth time. If we hadn't had him on before, we'd only be on 196. It's Adam Buxton, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Buxtonese. Hi, Chitney. Always ready to leave. That's what you have to love about Adam Buxton. Always ready. I've got, oh, got a load of stuff in here. Got a lot of stuff, you know, you never know when you'll be called upon just the. I got some leave. sandwiches. <laughs> I've got a little bit of work I need to do. That's fine, that's fine. I've there's let, there's some to... pauses where I'm just trying to think about I've what I've got to say back next. Back to so. a couple of people. That's fine, make yourself. Make about yourself home. some stuff, and it won't take long. My wife's asking me a couple of questions I need to deal with. Sure, as that's, an fine, admin. that's fine. It's all the... You know, my dog, Rosie... Yes. She suffered a terrible injury. Oh, no. Yeah. It's a very traumatic thing. Um, we were out walking yesterday, and we walked across an unfamiliar field. Right. We, I, and I actually said to her, hey, let's mix it up. Let's walk across the unfamiliar field. Yeah. Because we always go the same route... Boring. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful day, Rosie. Let's go crazy. We'll, we'll take this uh, cut across here. The cows have been taken away for the winter, so we don't have to worry about being trampled. We don't have to worry about being just another cow death statistic. Yeah. <laughs> and they're pretty big. And so off we went across this field, and uh, Rosie boinged off. She was up at the top. Yeah. And I suddenly noticed something move in the middle of the field, and it was a big old hare. And, and it sprang up and shot off up the hill. And I thought, uh-oh, Rosie's going to go mental. She yeah. loves chasing animals, even if... And usually there's no question of her catching them. Yeah. So sure enough, she chases after the hare, zips off, and then doesn't come back. And she's done that before, and she yeah. usually comes home. This time she came home, and she was acting really weird. Oh. And we were having lunch, and um, she was just sort of zipping about, spinning around, kind of chasing her tail in it, like as if she was on drugs or something. And then she jumped on my wife's lap at the table, and she was going, oh, Rosie. And, uh, and then she said, maybe she's got seeds between... Is this interesting, this Yeah, story? no, it well, it's... it's I don't, it depends where it's going... If it's, to be honest, Adam, if it turns out she's got some seeds between the poor, it wasn't worth it. But let's see, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens next. Because last time she had seeds between, <laughs> but in her paws, yeah, and it was very distraughting for her. And we had to get them out. It took ages to dislodge the seeds. So we thought, not seeds again, and. <laughs> And we put her on the uh, sofa and kind of laid her out. We were stretching out her paw. 
And then we see only then she has got a massive old gash in her tummy. She had clearly jumped across some barbed wire and it had slashed like like something out of Fangoria. It had peeled back a large area of of the skin and fur so that her muscle was exposed underneath. Oh, my God! And, I mean, it was really full-on and scary and sad. So we were like, whoa, holy shit, okay. Uh, get her to the vet. So we got her to the vet as quick as possible. Yeah. And they, she came back, and it was all okay because it was a superficial wound. Um, but superficial wound for a deep dog. And <laughs> poor Rosie yeah. has been driven mad by the kind of existential implications of the whole thing. Yeah, especially as she has to wear this sort of uh, romper suit to stop her from picking away and worrying the stitches, you know? And she's not a dog that wears clothes normally. She's, as I say, not superficial, except for the wound. So it was bad. We were watching I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here last night. It was was the first show of the new uh, season. It's a big family event in the Buckles household. My daughter's incredibly excited. But... Rosie was just in such a bad state, oh. like freaking out and just. She was disappointed about Ant not being. She. Oh no, about the about the, the yeah sorry, but no, I'd forgot, no. forgotten about the cut. I think she. I was just thinking about. She yeah no she was happy about the situation yeah. with the show because she okay. thought Holly Willoughby absolutely smashed it. Yeah. And um, the the quality of the links was absolutely up there with the normal quality of the links. And. <laughs> At some point, someone's going to be able to work out a deck the halls with boughs of holly, aren't they? They're going to be able to work that into yes. probably the Christmas episode. I mean, have you applied for a job? I haven't. They're going to be able to work that in. I haven't quite got it. You need to get Frank Boff in, maybe, and then it deck the boffs. With, yeah. And then nice. be a visual. We'll sort of work as a pun with boughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, bow. Uh, it's not too late. The bow, bow, the bow bells. It could be a double, the bows, bows. So you're actually doing two puns within it that aren't officially puns. At this They're, point, uh, you've talked yourself out of the job. Could be Bo... <laughs> Bo Brummel, the, the, the dandy, could come in. Yeah. yeah. Is the at, bones of Bo Brummel. At this point, the person in the meeting is calling security. <laughs> it was going so well. Anyway, someone will work out that. Yeah, so she wasn't happy about I'm a Celebrity, wasn't enjoying the dog. Well, no, it was, very, it was hard for me to enjoy I'm a Celebrity because she was clearly in such distress, and it was uh, so weird, you know, it's it suddenly you're very painfully aware of how frustrating it is to be a dog and not have the power of actual speech. Yeah. And so you're set... And first of all, we tried putting the plastic cone on, yeah. you know, Joseph Coney, and she wasn't... <laughs> It's the Coney costume, and she wasn't enjoying the Coney costume. Yeah, too soon. The dog was the um, dog was the dog was the, the dog. The dog put the cone on, not you. I thought you. No, put we the put cone. the cone oh, on. Okay, you put the yeah, cone yeah, on yeah. to just cheer her up. And it's terrible. Like she and she, she was sulking like a teenage child, you know, just sort of uh, going and standing in the corner and facing away from us. She, she, it was just like, what is, what the fuck is going on? Why have you done this to me? What have I done wrong? I hurt myself and now this. No, it's terrible. Thank you for still coming in and doing the podcast after this distressing... Well, I might have to... 
I'm just I understand now my... why you've got the, the multimedia yeah, experience. I'm e- so. emailing my wife just to check on to check the dogs. Okay. But I've also got some gifts, birthday oh. gifts for you. For me, birthday for me? Yeah, because it's 200, right? Oh, yes, it is 200, the podcast yeah. birthday, yeah. So, um, this is You're one of my... You're very nice about it. Adam always brings gifts. Well, He's a very, yeah. very kind man. It's one of my favourite books I got. He bought got. me flowers. He bought me some uh, tea with a little strainer thing. Oh, yeah, that's that right. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's when I did well, that. I hope you enjoy this, because I, I love this book, and I bought it uh, recently. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that might be useful. It's really good. <laughs> now, I actually... I actually did buy this one, but I got, I, I, got I did get a free oh, okay, one, good. but only recently because on the back it actually has a quote from me. Perhaps yes. if Michael Parkinson had asked Muhammad Ali if he'd ever seen a Bigfoot, he might be remembered as a great interviewer. <laughs> Instead, it is Richard Herring who has perfected the art of creating fun, interesting, and offensive questions that will supercharge even the dullest encounter. Adam Buxton. So I thought, holy shit, I've written the thing on the back and it's great, and um, as we've just seen. Um, and I don't even get a free copy. Because <laughs> I bought four copies. Because I was thinking, this will be, th- these are actually good Christmas presents. They are excellent Christmas presents. Yeah. Same, this is going out in February. I bought... <laughs> They're excellent Valentine's presents. I There's bought a whole section about four dating. copies, but, but I bought this one along because I hoped you might sign it. Of course I would. And yeah. write something funny in it. I gave, right, I, I I gave a copy to Louis Theroux when he Did came you? to stay the other day. And uh, he was there with his family. And Louis, you know, he's been on the show. He likes he you. He has, yeah. And so I thought, oh, this would be a good uh, Christmas present for Louis. And his youngest son had look, uh, looked through it. His youngest son is for, uh, four or five. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> All right. I'd say oh, a... might be a couple of questions that aren't. <laughs> a couple of questions that no, surely he's target audience, <laughs> and he he came up with a question. Okay, would you rather have a bum that can talk or a willy that can poo on your hand? <laughs> so he's in the zone. <laughs> I'd rather. Uh... I'd rather have a bum that can talk because my bum can poo in my hand. I know. <laughs> At I the don't moment, think... realistically, <laughs> if I want to poo in my hand, I just I don't think I go. Would... I just go under. I mean, it's a little bit easier. Yeah. But I think the poo coming out of the willy would be it's not too as, much. As, well, it wouldn't be as satisfyingly big. If I wanted some stringy, <laughs> if I wanted a very stringy load of like, like that silly string but made of poo, then I'd go for the willy. Good question, man. That is a good question. Young Mr. For the Master for the Roo. Yeah. That is a good... You'd expect from that, from that family. That goes back so, yeah. many, gen- so many generations of it's creativity. It's a better quality of yeah. Uh, questions. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I got you that. I got you... I mean, that's not... <laughs> I have good. to that's... say that your original quote, which they didn't let us use, it said if Michael Parkinson asked Muhammad Ali if he'd ever tried to suck his own cock. Yes, that's which right. Was, which is better. <laughs> But we had to change it to Bigfoot because they didn't want that on the back of the book for some reason. Well, why not just display what the book is? And I got you another book uh, that I really like that has nothing to do with you but has been oh. a favourite of mine. Have you got this one? No, but I love the, the Twitter for yeah. you. Yeah, so this is the book version of the... Well, it started out as a Tumblr right. of, uh, called Bad Kids Jokes and it was a guy who edited a uh, kids' joke website and he would have to sort of moderate it 
and he <laughs> just kept all these all the completely nonsensical weird ones that were too strange to put on the website yeah. and he'd put them on his tumblr and now they've compiled the best of them uh, in this book and i've been reading these out for years <laughs> on the radio and yeah. and actually funnily enough they never really get a very good reaction <laughs> like when you do it when you do it live it doesn't come across right. reading them with your eyes yes it's funnier than it's like they're the best things you've ever ever seen it's the best comedy but when you read them out it doesn't quite work and let's, let's put but, that to the test but it doesn't stop me doing it okay <laughs> The other day I interviewed Niall Rogers. You know him? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. He's one of the greatest producers ever and w- wonderful musician. And I was so excited to meet him. And I felt like, do you ever get this? I felt like we were going to get on so well <laughs> that there was nothing I couldn't say or do with him. That I, I had this fantasy of him laughing and laughing <laughs> at me reading out jokes from this book. Because yeah. I thought... For some reason, I thought, this is, he is going to love this. Nile Rogers is going to fucking love kids write jokes. Uh, so here's, here's one. Did he really hate it, Adam? Did he go, how dare you tell me nonsensical jokes? He didn't do anything. <laughs> he, he's, no, the, it, was, it was about as bad as it could be, really, because he sort of smiled politely. <laughs> like I was just a special needs guy, and I was... Excited to meet him, and which in a way is true. But um, let's see, where, where's one of the ones? I mean, they're all pretty good. <laughs> what do you call a pig with... Well, and also I explained to him that I usually read them out in a special voice, Niall. Okay. Which is like this. <laughs> what do you call a pig with ears? <laughs> Dumbhead. <laughs> Nile Rogers. Well, with my audience, this smiles. might be my audience. Nile smiles <laughs> and nods understandingly. What do you call a spider with no legs? A hairy piece of trash! <laughs> and it. In a se- this is the last one I'll read for the moment. We may come back to this. What you might need to. Similar uh, theme here. What do you call a sandwich with legs? Bready legs! <laughs> <laughs> that nearly works, except it doesn't have a secondary meaning, I suppose. This is for you, though. You Thank can... you. That's very kind. That is a lovely gift, and I found it. I, found, and I loved gold. your reading of it as well. Thanks, man. The, the way you brought More it to More than life. Nile. I hope you'll do the audio book. That's, uh, you know, an exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Yeah. That's um, because when my Nile Rogers interview comes out, <laughs> yeah. it won't include that. <laughs> the kids' jokes. Because that was a very, a, a very sad moment. <laughs> I also got you one of my favourite films. Okay. It's uh, called Attack the Block. Oh, yes. It's by a promising young director called, called Jay Corn. Yeah. Have you seen this? I have seen it, but I would love to see it again. I'm very much enjoyed have it. You got a gen- a... He's a genius, that guy. He is a genius. He's got a new film out. Yeah, I know. You're in it. I am in it. In an unspecified part, according to IMDb. Oh, okay. It doesn't say what your character's called. It says Adam Buxton has nothing. doesn't say. <laughs> doesn't have any, anything there. Uh, I so am playing a tour guide at Stonehenge. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And um, I filmed... Do you remember I sent you a text saying how much I enjoyed the Katie Brand episode of the podcast? Yes. And you... Because it was one of those moments that I, I was out uh, staying in a hotel and I had been that day on location right. shooting my cameo on Joe's film. And uh, it had been quite a weird experience. It's just strange seeing him on a big-budget film surrounded by a giant crew and people doing his bidding and worshipping him and <laughs> acting like he's special. And, <laughs> and he was really nice. Joe was scrupulously lovely and uh, mindful of the fact that maybe I would be angry. <laughs> And pissed off, but he was um, really, really nice and cool. But that only went so far. And when I asked him, like, I had some ideas for how I was going to play this part, right? I only had a few lines, but I thought I'd watched With Null and I a few weeks previously, which I, which I do uh, every year. You know, yeah. it's one of those films, I love it. And one of the great things about that film and a film like American Werewolf in London is that there are in every scene, almost, brilliantly funny character studies just that would normally be throwaway parts, just a couple yeah. of lines that would be totally anonymous. But every single actor they've got to do these parts has just turned it up to 11, you know. I thought, that's what I'll do with the... Uh, <laughs> with the tour guide at Stonehenge. I'm going to fucking go mental on this thing. <laughs> do I? I've got a lot of funny voices and... <laughs> So I did the uh, voice I was thinking of for Joe, and he said, no. <laughs> no, don't need to do it like that. Just uh, totally natural is fine. And so that was that. <laughs> and then uh, at the hotel that night, I was just, you know, I thought, well, that was sort of, that yeah, was fun. That was fun. I'm glad it was nice of Joe to ask me to be in it. But I was a little deflated. Yeah. And listening to your podcast with Katie Brand just made me so happy. Oh, it cheered me up. Good. And I just thought, oh, I'm so glad that there's people in the world that are doing this. And... Yeah, it does help a lot of people with depression. This is going, well, it's not as bad as... It just made my life's not. not as bad as that. That's right. Did the... That's good. Now, it's there's a, a it's... trope with scenes in Stonehenge that I want to see whether this happens in the film. If it, it might be too much of a spoiler. Yes. But it's very difficult to do a film about Stonehenge that doesn't involve someone leaning on or knocking over part of Stonehenge and it collapsing <laughs> like, dominoes. like dominoes. I don't think I've ever seen anyone not do that. It's oh, like, really? It's like when you're... Uh, when there's ever a scene in an airport with a, with a luggage carousel, the yep. luggage coming out, it's nearly every time that happens, a person ends up either coming out of the thing or falls onto the luggage uh -huh. It's very rare you'll see someone avoid that trope. Does Stonehenge fall over in, when you're the, the tour guide? No. Wow. I want to see this film. No. <laughs> Cornish never goes for the obvious. <laughs> He's always a couple of steps ahead of the audience. Listen, if he didn't want the amazing funny voices that I <laughs> yeah. had lined up, then he's not going to start knocking over that's Stonehenge true, monuments. True. Here is another gift. That you sh you oh, this up. is too many gifts. Yeah, I mean, this is a lot of gifts. I'm embarrassed. This is Deadpan magazine. <laughs> Britain's rip-roaring comedy magazine. One today, a a a issue 13, April 1995. Cover stars Stuart Lee and Richard Herring. Attack, attack, <laughs> the new comedy underground. Quote, our ultimate aim is to be worshipped as gods. 
<laughs> and I read the, I read, I read the, because I think I bought this at the time, and I thought, fuck them. <laughs> I don't think I even read it, but I. I'm wearing a duffel coat in that picture, so you know, I don't think I've, my chances of being a god. Are, it's quite a cool duffel coat thing with like metal clasps. Oh yeah. No, you look, you look good. You yeah. both look good, but um, well, comparatively, although actually, yeah. But I was so, I think I was jealous because I just thought, oh, Fist of Fun, that looks... Why are they on BBC Two, like proper TV, and they've got yeah. a studio and yeah. proper cameras, and it's we're just still fiddling around with our high 8 cameras. Yeah. We had actors rather than teddy bears. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and also I felt bad because we'd sort of... Well, we didn't steal it off you, but it was just synchronicity, but unfortunate because it definitely looked like we had stolen off you the idea of doing the sort of blipvert yeah, things, yeah. Um, the flash frames at the end of the sure. thing. So I just it's thought, it. It's it. Stole it. these guys make me feel bad <laughs> about myself. Um, Richard on Stuart. This is a little just pull quote with you talking about Stuart. He's quite serious, although he pretends to be more serious than he is. Because he's a silly child most of the time, he's affectatious about things like art when he knows they're rubbish. (laughs) He's quite keen on looking clever. He's very interested in music, but he only likes music no one else would like. (laughs) Which sums up his personality. (laughs) He... (laughs) He worries about what people think to the extent that he makes things worse by going on about them so much. Very true. He's a little bit paranoid and he goes a bit mental sometimes. He drinks too much. (laughs) Wow. And he's always late and he's lazy. The best best way to upset him is to be rude about his girlfriend. (laughs) And he's not... (laughs) Yeah, who'd have thought it? <laughs> it's like I've tried every single way to upset it. <laughs> That's the best one. I did the lot. <laughs> I mean, that does work on most people, doesn't it? Does. it? That's a good... That's a top... Uh, top tip for... <laughs> upsetting. Anyone keen on upsetting someone. Have you tried being rude about their... <laughs> Girlfriend slash boyfriend. Um, he's not competitive, so it's no fun playing games against him <laughs> because he's so afraid of losing that he pretends he doesn't care. Yeah, I'd still, still say, I think I still said that on an interview today about him. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite fun, though, looking through it and seeing all the, all the names who've gone on to uh, bigger and better things, or at least... Or at least stuck around, and then other people who you just uh, thought... Well, it's one of those, but it was one of the many attempts. And this one lasted a year. I think this might have been the, even the last issue of it. It might have been one more issue after this. But there was loads of attempts in the 90s to do a comedy magazine when comedy was the new rock and roll. Yes. And it all fell apart because there wasn't enough people interested in, in comedy yeah. <laughs> to, to sustain a magazine, even in that age when people bought magazines. There's a big interview with uh, a, a commissioner at Channel 4... And I just thought, wow, that's what it was like then. Um, yeah, I don't think you'd have that anymore, would you? Um, I mean, really, well, who maybe gives not, a yeah. shit? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose people in the industry might, and they might think, oh, yeah, it would be interesting to find out what the, the gatekeepers think. 
Oh, um, yes, yeah. There he is, Seamus Cassidy. Seamus Cassidy, yeah. And he's got a sort of rock star-y, <laughs> sneery photo. <laughs> you know, I'm Seamus Cassidy, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I'm a fucking gatekeeper, okay. <laughs> now, he, far arms, away from the he, gate. He's got his arms crossed. Yeah. He's going to have to... He's probably a delightful person, but, they, but yeah. they posed him to sort of fit in with the magazine's <laughs> fuck-off aesthetic, along with Lee and Harry <laughs> smoking. I think it was the only time I ever was ever on the cover of a magazine. Would you like that? I'd, pro- I'd probably have one, but yes, I will take it. I'll eBay it and send it to some idiot. <laughs> uh, I, think... I eBayed all my Lee and Herring stuff. I just got rid of it. Oh, all did you? Yeah, yeah. How much did you get for it? Well, quite a lot of things. I did, the only, I've still got his store, but I think we might right. gift that too. It's very broken up. Someone's offered to mend it, actually, but I'm going to gift it to the Museum of Comedy, I think. Yeah. I don't think I can sell his store. No. But uh, I did sell a few, a few scripts and bits and bobs. Doesn't it take, like, isn't the admin involved with selling stuff on eBay? Doesn't that completely outweigh any money you might no, make back? No, you'd make, make some quite good money. Oh, really? It? Yeah. Well, Jesus. you know, 20, 30 quid. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I think I needed the money at the time. I think I just wanted to get, I thought, let's get rid of a lot of this stuff. What's the, what was the item that sold for most? I can't remember with the Lee and Herring stuff. With the, I sold the first um, book from, you know, my question book from the podcast, which wasn't, I didn't get anyone to sign them in those days. Mm. And it, so that sold for about 1,500 quid, the Slytherin Whoa. notebook. But the guy who bought it, uh, sent me a video. <laughs> His daughter said, "Why didn't you just put in a bid to knock up a bit? Someone else will come." It was going, you know, it was going up that way, and he put in fifteen hundred quid or something. Wow! And then there's a video of him for the last thirty seconds going, "No, no, 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 why?" <laughs> but he did pay up. Unlike the person who uh, bid for the second book, who uh, didn't, who just said, "Oh, actually, can I?" Uh, can I just, could you just send it, you have a look at it, and then I'll, I can't, I've got the money at the moment, can you pay me down the line? Please don't uh, affect my ratings on eBay for me having... Right. And so I didn't send it to him, and, yeah. but I didn't make him pay for it. And then I gave it away. Now I just give them away to... Yeah, people. that's the thing. But, then, you know, 1,500 quid, you know, that pay your fee tonight. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, pay for Rosie's health care. Yeah, that's uh, true. But, uh... she, have you got your dog insured? Have you got insurance for the, for the pets? Because that's where it would really pay off there. Yeah, be. I don't know. That's something I need to email my wife about. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the other day, um, I was, uh, I'd just done a show, I think. And I was in a, a similar position to, with the Katie Brand one. You know, I, I wanted a, a friendly voice in my ears. So I download uh, the Stone Clearing podcast. Oh, yes, yeah. By the way, I immediately gave it five stars. <laughs> Thank you. Without even listening. <laughs> good. Because it had, like, loads of really good <laughs> ratings. And also, people... I'm, I just l- love it when people give my podcast positive, a positive yes, rating. Yes, it's nice. You know, I just think, what kind of bastard gives you less than five stars? <laughs> it's like, congratulations, you made a podcast and you uploaded it. Five stars. <laughs> well done. That's the way I think. Uh, don't, don't start going, yes, but... Uh, <laughs> It flags a little bit uh, towards the... I'll find some of the views a little bit repetitive and irritating and uh, pompous. No. Five stars. Well, the reviews are the best thing. And, and with Me One versus Me Two Snooker, it's part of it. Yeah. And the reviews are sort of joining in with you know, yeah. what, the spirit of the podcast. I'm not going to say it's a joke, because they're it's, a very serious podcast. Yeah. It's 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> And I listened to the whole thing. 
Um, here's some quotes. <laughs> I don't know how many stones are on this field, but it looks like a lot. <laughs> Five minutes in, we are at this point. A stone, is, a stone is like an apple. You know when it's ready to be picked. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Morally speaking, it's wrong to move someone else's stone. At that point, I did switch off. <laughs> there's no rules, but there's a lot of morality in stone clearing, I think. Yeah. Um, what do, you do, do you record it on your phone? <laughs> yeah, I've got, uh, I've got ear pods, those Apple ear pods. Holy. And they've got a microphone in them. But it's actually quite... I, I was going to ask you, because yours is very good quality when you go out and uh, record on the field. But you, I can't hold a yeah, microphone. Yeah, I, I don't record on headphones. That's my secret. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't be holding stuff. I record on that. I can't hold it, can I? I, I can't give up my, one of my stone-carrying hands. Couldn't you make some sort of contraption a bit like... Um, uh, what's his name? Peter Gabriel, when he's on stage, you know he has like a whole yeah. thing to hold. It. I don't think I could because then the dog walk, it's very important that it's secret what I'm doing. Oh, okay. Clearing. And so the other dog walkers, I'm not allowed to know and no one else is allowed to know what I'm doing. Yeah. So if I was walking around with the microphone, I think it might affect their... I, what I'm really looking forward to is often I have conversations with strangers as I'm walking around the field. Yeah. Uh, I met the guy. There's a there's the main can that I've built into quite an impressive can was there already. There was a tiny can there, and uh, the guy, unbelievably, the first dog walker who saw me in the middle of the field picking up stones said, Are "You collecting stones?" I went, "Um, no." <laughs> and he said, "Oh, I know. I used to do that. That's can at the end. That's me and my friend. We always just pick up one stone and throw it on there. Mm. One stone." Uh, he was an old guy. I looked in for you're never going to clear this field one stone a day, mate. You get a fucking grip. You're about eighty. Come on. What constitutes a cairn? Uh, well, you know, just any collection of stones, really. I call a small one a nest because it looks like a little nest of eggs and then that will grow and grow. Uh, but, you know, I'm trying to make a wall and that is the, in that little corner I have the beginnings of a wall going that way. This is what the podcast is like. <laughs> <laughs> Except not so well recorded. <laughs> so it looks... If I've got the ear pods in and they do work as microphones after a fashion then um, I could pretend I was listening to some music or on a phone call because I'm walking around talking to myself. Yeah. If you saw a man walking around a field talking to himself, picking up stones and throwing them into the bushes, you'd think he was insane. <laughs> so I have to have an... That's a good way of excusing myself. I think he was insane. Or I think he was an artist. You know, yeah. it's a, a great tradition, of course, in the art world of uh, moving stones and rearranging yeah. nature. Yeah. Richard Long, wasn't that he the he king of that? He did a little bit of that, yeah. Not as, well as, not as good as what not I Not as good as you. And of course, what some of his pieces in gallery form now are just photographs of a field and then a description of what he had done that day. Yeah. You could do that. Yeah, that's why I'm playing. I sort of think I might win. He's already won the Turner Prize, has he, Richard Long? Did he win it? I think. I'm hoping to win the Turner Prize anyway, and then I'm going to donate the money to, to the playground that's next to the field. Oh, okay. Because it's rubbish. Yeah. In our village, and you know, then because uh, I reckon if the if the farmer got wind that I was making money off of moving his stones around, mm -hmm. I don't know if he or her or her, I don't know if uh, they're annoyed about what I'm doing or if it's useful. Yeah. Or actually counterproductive, and I don't want to know. <laughs> or you could take some of that eBay money. Yeah. Give that to the kids. No, no, that's mine. I used it to for podcasts. That's what I did with the. the that's what I did with the, uh -huh. fifth, the valuable fist of fun hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to pop the question. 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now look backstage, um, I'm interviewing you now. Yeah, um, <laughs> it seems to go that way. Can you? I asked you if you could sing the tune they play at the Groundhog Ceremony in Groundhog Oh, no, I've nearly got it now. Yeah, go on. There you go. The Tarasana Poker. Yeah, that's good. Because I couldn't do it backstage, but now it's completely come to me. Cut out your troubles and go down the thing. That's right. Here comes a groundhog. Do you think, audience, you could sing it? I mean, it's, got, it's called the Pennsylvania Polka. The Pennsylvania Polka, yeah. Yeah, so it existed before. It wasn't written for the movie. And the lyrics, I just thought it would be fun to sing it, seeing as we've done this so many times. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Strike up the music, the band has begun. The Pennsylvania Polka. Pick out your partner and join in the fun. The Pennsylvania <laughs> Polka. It started in Scranton. It's now number one. It's bound to entertain ya. Everybody has a mania to do the polka from Pennsylvania. Okay. Can you remember all of that? No. <laughs> You'll probably have to cut this out, won't you? <laughs> The Pennsylvania Pennsylvania polka. Pick out your partner and join the fun. Pick out your partner and join in the fun. Pennsylvania polka. The Pennsylvania polka. Started in Scranton, now number one. Started in Scranton, now number one. It's bound to entertain you. Shut up. I mean, that, that song, though, really... Doesn't that make you happy when you hear that music? Yeah. It's sort of brilliant that they used that piece of music, which could so easily have been... It's got, it's got a sort of irritating quality to it, but it's so joyful that you don't care. 
It just makes you feel happy. Yeah. I love that Until film. you hear it every day. Yeah. And then it grinds into your head. Yeah, but then it kind of comes... It's a bit like a Stuart Lee routine in that way. <laughs> you, you go through... Starts out being fun, then you go through a long period of thinking, oh, Jesus, I can't deal with this. And then you break through into another sort of, whoa, this is amazing. <laughs> That's how I feel about uh, the Pennsylvania polka. What's the name of the lady that he finds out the details from and then comes and she's standing there by the bandstand while that's playing? The girl that he meets in the yeah. cafe and goes, what's your name? Where did you go to school? Um, who's your third grade teacher? I don't know. I can't remember. What's her name? Anyone? Nancy. 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 Yeah, Nancy. The only one I know is Ned Ryerson. <laughs> Bing! <laughs> it's a great film. It's amazing. It's a great film. He's really good, that actor, the guy that, says, the guy that plays Ned Ryerson. Does anyone know that? That's deep level. There you go, Stephen Tobolowsky. So he's done... Two, two people got it. I mean, he's, he's pretty famous, and he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. But, um, and he is... He is... Okay, here's my Stephen Tobolowsky story, which only just I, I, I just remembered. He, uh, he is responsible for the name Radiohead, the band name Radiohead, because he was working with David Byrne. I can't remember exactly what he was doing. Was he writing... He was helping with Stop Making Sense in some capacity, working with Jonathan Demme. And he was talking to David Byrne about the idea of a, um, uh, people picking up sort of radio signals and thoughts. I'm probably mangling this a little bit. But basically, David Byrne was taken with the idea of this kind of psychic radio yeah. and wrote a song called Radiohead okay. on a Talking Heads album. And then... Um, uh, the band Radiohead named well, themselves after that song. That, they weren't called that. Then, no, they were, were they? called On a Friday. Yeah, and then they heard that and think that's better. Yeah, the better name. Uh, and they were what else were they called? They were called something like Whirly Gig or something. Right. They had some terrible names. Yeah. Anyway, there you go, Stephen Tobolowsky. Yeah. That's not why I forced him <laughs> to sing Pennsylvania. <laughs> it was polka. nearly. It wasn't as much fun, ironically, as when we sp- sang the specials at the end of the last. Yeah, summer. that's right. That was good fun. Yeah. Not uh, uh, Terry Hall's era specials, though. No. Um, but did yeah. Terry Hall free Nelson Mandela? Did he fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's back this week. Has <laughs> he come back? Oh, yeah. shit. Um, have you been playing that game, the free Nelson Mandela? <laughs> on my own. <laughs> on your own, yeah. Are you so tall that you can reach lots of stuff? Are you so boring that people ignore you? I haven't been playing. It does, I do think about it every now and again, yeah. and it tickles me. Well, actually, if you listen to the podcast, we didn't do very well. We didn't do that well. <laughs> Are you so lost that you need a map? <laughs> I mean, you could go on for ages. <laughs> anyway, kids write jokes. Um, What is the secret ingredient of a toilet? Poo. <laughs> Why did the cow go to the movies? Because movies! <laughs> so close, so close to being a joke, though. <laughs> they liked it. They liked it over there. This this one is in the form of a play. 
Okay. It's the last one I'll do. Mum, there are worms in my plate. <laughs> Waiter, those are sausages. <laughs> you see, if that's what the theatre was always like, I would go way more often. Well, let's ask a couple of questions from the emergency questions. So I've done something. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> just Strike up my money, the music, the band. <laughs> Uh, what food have you consumed the longest after its expiration date and what were the consequences of that, if any? Oh. Do you eat food after it's... Because I'm happy to eat pretty much anything. Uh, and I... my wife's very, very uh, strictly adheres to... So we, the other day we had um, some raspberries. Uh-huh. Okay. You can tell if raspberries are okay. The, we had them at 6 o'clock in the morning. They went out of date at 12 o'clock the previous... <laughs> I said, I reckon they'll be okay for another six hours on top of the... They probably factored that in. <laughs> when they do it, they think, they're going to eat them a couple of days later. We just have... That's just a warning. Yeah. Uh, so I ate those and was fine. Yeah. I have been... I ate some bacon and was sick, though. Was it old bacon? Well, it didn't have a sell-by date on it because it was from a butcher's, but it hadn't been open that long, but it had been open for a bit. And was it silvery? It. Uh, it, might been, it might have been a little, but I didn't really... You know, it was, sometimes they're silvery and it's okay. Yeah, that's right. It's, you can't tell, can you? And like no. when you get fish, you smell it and go, it, it smells horrible. Yeah, it smells like fish. Yeah, it does. So, it smells like no dead fish. <laughs> are you? Are you? Uh, do, are you uh, I, the only thing that worries me is poultry when that smells gamey. You yes. Know? If you get some chicken breasts out and they are a bit whiffy, yeah, I wouldn't go for those because I have done in the past. Yeah. And, yeah, maybe that's the answer, is that chicken in the past, I've thought, ah, because I, I think the same as you, and I also think that it's probably um, the supermarkets trying to encourage you to throw stuff away, mm-hmm. trying to encourage waste so that you'll buy more stuff, yeah. and setting these ludicrous sell-by dates on things that actually you could keep them for 10 years and they'd be fine. But they don't want you to because they know that there's the, they, they want to have a built-in obsolescence and, or a sell-by date. Anyway, um, but yeah, with... Um, it's a good answer to the question. With, I, I, you, you can only work with what I've given you, Adam, and it's, okay. Okay, it's a thorough answer to the question. But yeah, with chicken, so, so I, I took it out of the wrapper and it was maybe two days gone. Mm. And I thought, ah, it'll be fine. And um, it did smell a little bit like feet. Yeah. And I thought, ah. I like feet. So <laughs> pop it in the uh, oven, uh, make myself a nice sandwich, and it, but it tasted the same as it smelled. And then I felt, I felt sad. And then <laughs> I stopped eating it because I yeah. didn't want to get ill. Because I think that's one of the ones, isn't it? That yeah, you're no, it's very da- dangerous. Dangerous, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's been a public information film in a way, this bit. Raspberries, have a go, that's what I say. Uh, if you were stranded on a desert island and were allowed to have eight disc-shaped items with you... <laughs> but you could not have two of any kind of individual item, which eight discs would you have with you? I can tell you what I've got if it would help, but it, yeah, would, help a, it would help a bit too much. I'll give you some examples. Right. A discus. A floppy disc. Mm. A golden disc of, like, my selection of music. Yeah, okay. Gold disc. Uh, Total Recall DVD, it's a disc. Yep, yep. Sliding Doors on (laughs) Blu-ray. 
Yeah. A CD-ROM of some very soft porn that I got given by a friend in the 90s. A CD-ROM. There was a CD-ROM of like, and it was like, it would come out, the box in the middle was about that big, and so yeah. the screen, and it was like girls uh, cleaning cars in their clothes and then getting wet and then slowly taking off. Yes, like the like, scene in Cool Hand Luke. Yeah. Yeah. But they did get down to being bare, I think, in the end, but that was it. And in the 1990s, that was enough for me. Yeah. In the days before, hardcore pornography enough. is not enough now. It should be enough for anyone. I haven't looked at that CD-ROM for a while, but I don't think it would, it would do the job for me now. It's, um... <laughs> I'd say that post-Me Too, it's uh, not considered the best way to clean a car. <laughs> <laughs> that was a concern for me. Yeah. Uh, a disc would... I would have a Frisbee. Yeah. I'd have uh, the uh, my favorite brand is Aerobi. Okay. Um, because they don't uh, break your fingers when someone throws them and they, they slam into your fingers. Okay, that's good. You know, like the really hard ones, you can break your hand. Yeah. And my, Some of them are very, sort of brittle plastic yeah, as well. Sharp my plastic. son, um, he's quite sort of gung ho. My, my middle son, he's uh, 14 years old and he loves sport and everything. He's sort of the opposite of me. And he, uh, he's determined to be able to... He wants to learn how to catch a Frisbee in his mouth. <laughs> so I, and I'm doing it with the aerobi, which has a soft, uh, rubbery yeah. edge. But even so, if you lob that at someone and it hits them in, in a tender part of their anatomy, yeah. for example, the face or mouth, <laughs> that's painful. Yeah, yeah. But he... He says, go on, Dad, go on, do it. I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to do it. And, and every single time, it just smacks him in the middle of the face. <laughs> and he goes, oh, God, oh, God. And it makes me wince because the idea of it is so terrible and painful. He goes, do it again, do it again. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to hurt you anymore. Go on, I can do it this time. I can do it. <laughs> He's never done it. <laughs> so I'd take that. Yeah. Uh, what other discs I would I've take? Got, I've also gone, just while you're thinking, yeah, a yeah. magical disc from a future civilization that you could spin and which would tell you all of history. Like in The Time Machine, the film The Time Machine. Yeah. You remember that? They spin the discs oh, in okay. the museum. Again, another goes, description of that would be a CD-ROM. Or... <laughs> well, it's not because it's a disc that uh, future, but it goes, and in the future wars, there came the nuclear war in the 1960s that destroyed that uh, shop with the di- shop the dummy in it just kept changing <laughs> and I'd also get a disc shaped flying saucer so I could escape whilst throwing all the other discs into the sea I didn't I forgot that you provided answers I do sometimes to some of them because you know they're quite boring some of the questions <laughs> it's hard doing a thousand and one it really is but there is I mean you realise there's an art to it yes uh, when you're reading this book <laughs> no which I'm saying you've mastered the oh art. thank you yeah uh, let me ask you one. All right. I think my favourite one's... It's not fair. Someone's bought their own I book quote. along. <laughs> I, I didn't consider this when they printed, mass-printed these, that this was a possibility. Is, uh, is Are You a Racist in here? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't, think, I don't know if I put that in this one. It was a running theme throughout the Orange original book. That is a good one. You might catch them out. Um... <laughs> Which of your teachers do you think is most likely to secretly be a werewolf? That's, that's a kid's section. That's really, I'm, I'm a 51-year-old man. 
It's ridiculous to ask me that question. The answer is Mr. Gosling. <laughs> I think it was Mr. Gosling. There's questions for dates. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's a beautiful artefact. Okay. Okay. Does anyone genuinely enjoy skiing? <laughs> Someone did, because someone one of the interviews I did, someone was going on about how great skiing was. And mm. I, one of the, have you ever oh, been skiing? Was, I have, and I hate it. Oh. Do you go skiing? Uh, I just started again, recently, oh. having not been You're for years. You're posh, though, years. aren't you? You're posh, you inbred you don't have you. to be posh to you go skiing. You have to be posh to go skiing. No. It's expensive. It's no more expensive if you... You can do it on a budget. It's no more expensive than owning a gondola in Venice. <laughs> keeping that tethered there for if I happen to pass through. It's... T- a piffling, trifling expense. Listen, one of the things... It's not I've... really the expense. That I don't, I'm not very good at it. Yeah. Uh, and also, I don't see any pleasure in it. Oh, come on. Oh, please, do come on. <laughs> Look, for God's sake, it's, it's absolutely terrific. And so, so fun... And I think you'd really, really enjoy it. And well, do, you been, should give it another chance. I've been twice. I've given it another chance. Yeah. And I had a worse time the second Where time. Where did you go? When we went to <laughs> a big mountain with loads of snow on it the first time. Yeah. Did you and go... One. one was in Austria and one was in... Oh, God, no, no. <laughs> you don't go to Austria. You go to Courchevel or Mirafrançoise or... Yeah. I don't know, I'm making them up now. But, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I definitely have had fun. So the, the problem with skiing is that there's so many variables. Yes, it is quite expensive, although there is a way of doing it on a budget. Uh, but it doesn't involve skis. And, um, <laughs> d- and also, yeah, lots of variables. You know, if the weather is no good... Mm, yeah, that's... My feet are short but wide. Yeah. And I've yet to find uh, ski like a big boots that... Yeah. <laughs> I've yet to find ski boots that do not cause me to be in constant agony yep. all the way, every move I make for the whole day. That's the first reason I don't like it. Yeah. What I like about it is taking the boots off at the end of the day and you realise how lovely your life is. Yes. But I don't know how your normal life. And so that's what I think, is people go just to go, ah, oh, I'll never complain about anything again. Thank you, Thank you God, <laughs> for stopping the pain. Well, there is that. It feels dangerous to me, like people who've uh, just fallen over, banged their head and died and within two hours, or fallen off a cliff or co- get covered in snow drifts. People do stuff. die, yeah, defo. Um, children are really good at it, and I'm not very good at it. That's humiliating. Yeah. Uh, I was forced, the second I, got, I had a proper scheme, so I did it at this thing, I wrote in the Metro, and then the Austrian tour board, tourist board said, will you give it another chance, come to Austria, we'll provide you with... Uh, an expert skier and we'll get you a nanny for your child and my wife's very excited because uh, she yeah. wanted to she loves skiing uh, and she's not posh so you, you may be proven correct uh, and this expert skier said right first of all just uh, I can't remember the terms for it, but we had to cross the thing to get to the ski lift going, going across walk? like that yeah well sort of walk but <laughs> sideways and I said no you don't understand I can't remember how to do anything Traverse, I was terrible the yeah. first time and so he's he didn't realise how basically I was didn't know how to ski. So wait, you did go? Yeah, I went and he took we went and he took us up the mountain and yeah. I had to ski all the way down the mountain, like from halfway up or something. Did you arrange with the Austrian tourist board beforehand, like that you were going to have to write a column or something? Yes. 
And so did you write the column? Yes. And you complained about it? <laughs> I said that I didn't like skiing. I said that it was lo- the hotel was very nice. Yeah. It was lovely to have someone looking after our child. <laughs> they want to do that all the time for us. That's fine. As long as I have to go skiing. I like eating cheese. I like drinking beer. <laughs> didn't like all the other stuff. <laughs> I went in. I went in the... Uh, they had a lovely spa on the last day. and went in there and uh, did a routine about being in a... Uh, got in the sauna, and when I got in the sauna, the door opened, and a completely naked 55-year-old woman walked in, went, hello, and lay down opposite me with everything showing, double, like an end-to-end flesh-coloured rainbow, <laughs> double rainbow. Uh, and uh, But there were signs outside saying that you had to be naked in the sauna because it's Austria. Right. So I was actually the one who was... Uh, the you fault. have to be naked in yeah. the... What, in the hotel? Hotel sauna. Not in the whole hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, just in the sauna. There's a special sure. place you can go. Just go. Look at that, Rich. What do you think of this? Hey! So you look at thought... my Austrian vagina. I don't want to. Well, I'll have a little look. I followed you around the room. I can. <laughs> it's a very small space. <laughs> and then my wife came in. I thought, well, it's... I was very embarrassed, but I got a very funny routine out of it. That... Yeah. Um, and were the Austrian tourist board satisfied? Yeah. It seemed to be. Yeah. It was the one time I did the Metro and they, you know, they didn't, I wasn't paid to write by something, but I, I had to, um, had a crisis of conscience going, is this morally wrong? And if the Metro find out that I've done, I'm writing some art, because I didn't tell the Metro. Oh, you didn't tell them, right. So I just said, I wrote some art, I'm going on thing. And then I recommended the hotel. I think, they, I think everyone does it, but it made me feel uneasy because I felt like I was, I was selling out my... Metro column, which meant a lot to me, it was very. Yeah, it was very. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I did a, a, a skiing episode of the podcast. In, in sort of similar circumstances, I was contacted by someone who runs a chalet, and uh, they said, "Oh, we really like the podcast. How would you like to come out and do an episode out here, and uh, you can stay as our guests?" You know, so I was like, I ran that by my wife, and she said, "Yep, <laughs> let's definitely do that." So it was. I'm, I've never seen her so happy. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I mean, yeah. She. It was like the moment where she suddenly s- looked at me in a new way. Like, God, wow, you're great. <laughs> <laughs> and now I understand what you do. This is brilliant. <laughs> so we went anyway, and I, I. We had a very nice time, and I. I really slaved on the episode to sort of make it to sort of strike the right tone so it didn't feel like just a big advertorial. Yeah. I justified it to myself because my dad was a travel writer and um, that's, you know, the business of travel journalism is you get paid to go places sure, and then sure. you write about it. You don't necessarily have to eulogize, yeah. but you go there and, uh, you know, your accommodation is paid for in return for a column about the Anyway, so I felt as if I was doing something in that tradition and being straight with the audience about it and hopefully giving them an episode that they would enjoy. And I think a lot of people really did like it. Some people felt like, oh, this is... I got some very nice messages, but I also got a high number of messages from people that said, fuck you. <laughs> and you, uh, you're, this is it for me and your free fucking podcast. You, <laughs> you fucking twat. <laughs> Slap us in the face with your skiing holiday, you bastard. And I was, I, went, I, I, I sort of didn't engage with a lot of the more unreasonable anger, but there were a few messages from people who seemed quite intelligent 
um, that, that were so passionately indignant that I had done this. And I just genuinely didn't understand why. I just thought, I've done this in a total spirit of open-hearted yeah. enjoyment. Um, but they felt that I was kind of lording it over them or something. I don't yeah. know. And so, so I went back and forth with one guy who was a documentary maker or something. And um, I, he, he was just out. He said, it's just an advert. You just made a big, long advert. I said, well, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> but I felt like I made a big, long, brilliant advert <laughs> that, that it took me to ages to make and that I made with a huge amount of love. And um, also, like, I, maybe it's just my generation. I used to, I used to like adverts. Yes. You know what I mean? I do. <laughs> I actually wanted to be in advertising when I was little. I used to think, oh, that's great. Like, what, what would be better than to make little witty short no, that's films? That's true. I felt the same as well. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. good adverts, not yeah. adverts that are totally insulting. And, but uh, you do. Well, in your podcast, I mean, in fact, the last time we had, we, we discussed sponsorship and I was on... You sort of won me round on, on the last podcast into being sponsored. Clearly. You fancy a uh, Beer 52 beer? <laughs> Yeah, what... what uh, there's a few choices here. Um, uh, okay, a, this one. What's the lowest alcohol? There's one called Daft Monk. One. They're all quite high. You're driving. They're all quite high uh, alcohol. But you get this away one with is one four. I'll go for this yeah, one. Yeah. There's, a, a, bo- there's a bottle opener you might need for... Thank you. I'll, I'll oh, mate. Open that for you. Uh, Beer52.com slash uh, if you want to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Thank you very much. Uh, if you, oh, if you want to do that. But yeah, you, you're, I mean, the, the sponsorship you do on your podcast is extremely good. Thank you. Unlike mine, in which I'm slightly rude about the products, but they don't seem to mind. Um, well, you're still in the phase where you are, as we've just established, conflicted because you're, that's your background. I never really had any... Uh, I always felt a, a certain affection for advertising, and I always felt, maybe misguidedly, that if you did it without insult, there was a way to do it without insulting yeah. the audience that, that would be fun, and everyone could kind of win. I don't know. Maybe, as I say, I'm deluding myself. But I don't think so. I think they're enter- they're not they're, they're unobtrusive and they're entertaining themselves, which is all you want. And and you seem to have a, some selection over what you advertise, which I do. Obviously yeah, yeah. Well. So you only have things that you think could. Yeah, I'd rather make them myself than have the ones they make and tag on. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. Um, um, it's fun, yeah. And I think, you know, I, ultimately it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing that, that financing something like this because you go, all right, do I get everybody to chip in? And people are really nice and do chip in and do the Kickstarters for me, and that's nice. Yeah. Would they feel it'd be nicer if I didn't do that and just got someone to give me the money to make the podcast? Yeah, that's the thing. What do you think? Would you rather pay or would you rather... I'll do that. Would you rather... If you want to do Kickstarters, cheer now. Yeah. If you want to have adverts in, cheer now. Yeah. It's 50-50, isn't it? If I had adverts in and you don't like adverts, would it make you stop listening to the podcast? Okay, so fuck you. Let's have some money. Let's get, let's get some of that sweet money. Uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> They, no, they, it's, you, you know, it is that idea that you're putting this effort into making the ad, ads, and they're, you know, I think you'd be delighted with that as a as a sponsor. Yeah, I mean, um, there, I there are some, some, there's a danger sometimes that they uh, put too much work on you, and they sort of basically give you a brief that's very nebulous, and they're they're asking you to come up with something that, you know, in normal circumstances they would pay some uh, creative <laughs> team thousands of pounds for, sure. and they're just like, yeah, do a song about this very complicated subject and because sometimes it's not a product sometimes it'll be 
you know, a charity or, or it'll just be a kind of public awareness campaign sometimes. Sure. And so you really have to think like, I don't know, I, uh, this is going to take too long, you know. Yeah. At the end of the day, I've got to go But back then to you've it. done that your whole career. I mean, that's the whole Song Wars thing that you did with Joe was insanely time-consuming, surely. It was, yeah. Uh, but was worth it because you created these genuinely, you know, and actually memorable songs. I sing the Quantum Solace one all the time. Oh, okay. I st- it always comes to mind. I say, why can't I live, why can't I live forever? Why can't yeah. I live forever all the time? I'm always seeing that. <laughs> They're really good, and that quality is worth, you know, down the line, it's worth it, isn't it? Because you, you're giving something that's entertaining. And so I think that's, that's great to do, and, and, and it doesn't, you know, I think, I think you realise with podcasting that that's the deal, isn't it? That it's either, either you say, everyone give me a pound, and 1% of people do, thanks. <laughs> thanks to the 1%. Uh, and, or you, or you, you know, with this series is a bit of both, so it's a bit of beer 52 and a bit of fantastic Kickstarter rewards that will be coming through soon to the people who've done the Rubik's Cube we did for this. Have you a had a Rubik's Cube made? Re- Rubik's Cube made with all like Rahulastapa things. It's really good. I mean, it's too good. Chris Evans, not that one. Puts away, he's like you. He puts away too much effort. You could just give everyone like a little 50p one like that. No, he spent thousands yeah. on them. No, it's good. You've got to do things with yeah. love, hey. Uh, this is delicious. Arepa and co. Mm. Yeah. Put it. Can you put more effort into the adverts you're doing on my podcast than, yeah. you, <laughs> than you currently are? No, it's good. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, inter- it's all very interesting. It's a fresh, zesty and refreshing taste. This and, beer... No, sorry. <laughs> you're doing Acast as well, which shows that that's, that's, that's a platform that a lot of the podcasts are using at the moment. Yeah, they're, they're huge. They've yeah. got more and more people on there every day. It's amazing. Yeah. But you must be one of the biggest podcasts on Acast. I don't look at my numbers, Richard. Do you not? No. Do you look at the checks that come through? Uh, I do look at the statements, <laughs> yes. Uh, did we talk about this last time? Maybe a little bit. Let's talk about it. Okay, yeah. No, people... We should talk about it backstage. These people, these people aren't interested. Did you um, watch the... As we speak, the uh, armistice celebrations, commemorations? Um, I saw a little bit of the happened. Peter Jackson film. Oh, yeah. Did, well, you didn't watch the whole thing? No. Nah. Why? <laughs> you, you knew how it ended. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was trying to... I got about halfway through and my, we had to go to... I was so tired. We've got two tiny children. Yes, of and course. And then it's come off the iPlayer, so I, I was halfway through. I was trying to get to the bit where it changed into colour. Oh, you didn't even make it there? No, I did, but that's, it took, my wife went to bed and so it all got confused. Right, OK. Um, and then I got to that bit and went, meh. <laughs> it's just the same but they're not in black and white anymore it was pretty good though. No, the, 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 the problem with that bit was the first time that you if you didn't see this uh, folks it was Peter Jackson had got lots of black and white footage from the first world war I'd like to know more about who shot that fucking yeah. stuff who was going out onto the battlefields in, in 1917 and filming with these old cameras while carnage was going on around them but um, he had colorized some of the footage but in a very sophisticated, like, modern colorization techniques, and also done it so that the, the sp- it was running at a real speed. Yeah. So it didn't look all uh, herky-jerky and yeah. black and whitey. And he'd also done very good dubbing of sound effects on there. So it really did feel like, oh, my God, this stuff looks like it was shot last week in certain places. Yeah, yeah. Other places where he'd had to 
digitally zoom on some some things. There was lots of strange pixels moving around, <laughs> yeah. so that at certain points it looked a bit like um, uh, it looked a bit like what was the uh, CG film about the Polar Express? <laughs> Did you watch the Polar Express? I you... did, but I saw enough of Tom Hanks in it. Yeah, my children yeah. used to fucking love the Polar yeah. Express. Hot yeah, chocolate, my nephew's hot chocolate. And um, that, that whole film is uh, Uncanny Valley special. <laughs> it's really weird. And that's what it was a bit like watching this footage. But overall, it was just incredibly weird and moving and I just can't get my head around it. And also, I was talking to you backstage about the fact that I've been... Um, reading these, this book of letters sent back from the First World War from a, uh, a lieutenant colonel, and uh, he was uh, in the Northumberland Fusiliers, 24th Tyneside Irish Battalion, and he, his batman, what's a batman? Like a valet. A yeah, batman. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's but not battle. batman, it's not a guy, it's not a crime yeah. fighting. Yeah. It might be that as well. We wouldn't know, would we? Anyway, his keep bat- that secret. Anyway, Batman, it turns out, was my grandfather, and, uh, which I didn't know because my dad never used to talk about his family. But I found this book of letters where this lieutenant colonel is writing almost every day back to his wife from the First World War. He went out uh, to the Western Front, 1914, was sadly killed on the first day of the Arras Offensive in 1917, and he was uh, carried off the battlefield by my grandfather who he referred to as Bucky (laughs) that was his surname or Buckin sometimes and occasionally there's just these um, little bits of the letters that refer to my granddad it's so weird it was just his he was kind of his baldric I suppose yeah Um, and uh, let's see I've got a little bit here referring to my my grandfather um, so this is 10th of May, 1915, Beuvray, outskirts of Bethune, northern France. And uh, this is the lieutenant colonel writing back to his wife. We've had rather an amusing time these last two days as we moved out to a position of readiness at 4.30 a.m. yesterday, leaving a few sick men and the servants under old Sanderson in the billets in Beuvray. After we'd been out a bit, we saw the shells popping into Beuvray pretty frequently. We returned there about 10pm to find them all in an awful state of nerves. Old Buxton was awfully cross because we had laughed at them, because we had laughed at them, but it really was too funny. (laughs) Their faces were a picture and they, and they'd got all bits of shell and stuff. Before I left, I warned them of the dangerous places in town, which I knew the Germans would shell if they, shot at, uh, if they shot at all. And, of course, old Buxton must go and have a look, with the result that a shell plonked into a house just under his nose, which fairly put the fear of what's-his-name into him. <laughs> <laughs> it's so surreal. Like yeah. These letters are extraordinary, and you've got a sense of it in some of those BBC4 docs as well, of, yeah. of how... Yes, a lot of the time it was like the worst vision of hell that you could imagine. But a lot of the time they're just sort of larking around yeah. and having fun. And some of them even saying, oh, it was never so good after that. I didn't really want to leave. <laughs> you know, because they're all together and they've got yeah. a common purpose. And 
What you're saying is we need a good world war to sort I'm us out. I'm saying that let's bring back conscription. <laughs> and a war. Which and let's happen. a proper fighting war where you can see the enemy. None of this internet stuff. Let's have some good old physical scrapping. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just read you this, this, this little bit where... This is from the Somme, right? They're at the Somme. And he... Uh, this is not with my grandfather, but this is a letter back to, to this guy's wife. I mean, he's a lieutenant colonel, okay? So he's not at the front of the fighting all the time. They just sort of go back and forth. And this is one of the times where he's not at the, uh, at the front, obviously. And he's saying... Um, so this is 30th of July, 1916. Uh, most pleasant evening for our walk. We went out to the end of a hill about a 1,000 yards behind our own front line and sat in the grass where we could overlook the whole show and watch the transition stage from day to night conditions. We reached our position about 8.30 p.m. just as the light began to fail and saw the old Hun put some very heavy Meinenwerfer over, like grenades or whatever, uh, over as a sort of kiss goodnight. And then very shortly afterwards, our guns had a proper hate on his line for about an hour and a half, and he got the most concentrated essence of, uh, um, on a portion of his trenches that would make him think a bit. <laughs> it really is a wonderful sight. <laughs> because it's all quite silent, except for the guns and an odd rifle or two. <laughs> And it seems impossible to believe that two great armies face one another across a small strip of field, in many places not a hundred yards wide, and that you never see a soul move. As we came away about 11pm, you could see the whole line stretching right away on both sides by the very lights, these flares, and star shells. And in the distance, away to the south, the glare of the gun flashes on the Somme, which lit up the whole sky just as one sees the lights of a big seaside town from the sea. It all brought back so clearly our day on the end of Portland Bill. <laughs> and I was talking about it all to the doctor as we walked home again. <laughs> so surreal. I think, you know, that Wilfred Owen became famous after this war, not this guy. It's yeah. just, it's just <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Yeah. It's hilarious. Bizarre. Yeah. Are we wrapping up? We, I think we probably should. Yeah, we've got hopes to go to. We do. Um... <laughs> It's been very interesting. Um, oh, man. I want to say, though, as yeah. well, thanks, that, you know, this being episode 200. Yeah. We, should, we should have talked more about classic episodes. <laughs> but holy shit, you, you bagged the big one. Oh! <laughs> I was halfway up a mountain, and, I, 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 and we found a dinosaur. And I, I, I've never had to wank off a dinosaur before. <laughs> and a giant ball of frozen piss in my mouth. And then I was uh, halfway up in space. And, and, and you ever, you ever had a whack in space? That was that was basically it. It was very nice to get him. You should do you should do him on your podcast. I, should... I, I mean, there's no way I could top your one. It was amazing. I think you might get the same thing. <laughs> was, and but uh, in the green room there, he was like, yeah, "Was that okay?" <laughs> It really was. <laughs> it was like two hours. He arrived, yeah. started, didn't stop until he left. Seriously. <laughs> it was a phenomenon. It was amazing. Uh, God bless him. Was um, I all right, Richard? Or was I a cunt? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't too worried. I, 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 all the, I'm glad I didn't do... I did a bit of work on this, but I, we haven't covered anything uh, that... Uh, 
I've been watching. I mean, I was going to talk about Messi, Messi goes to Okida. Oh I yeah, think we yeah. Talked about that, but Have I, you watch that with your children? I don't. Uh, and um, <laughs> it's good, <laughs> but we haven't come across that. I was yeah. going to talk. We, my my daughter tends to watch Netflix now. Oh yeah. Uh, so there's and gets she's very what's she watching like Dave Chappelle and yeah she's (laughs) making a murderer and that stuff yeah Yeah. she's uh, she's watching um, a lot of Noddy Toyland Detective okay Uh, she's watching Beat Bugs have you seen the show Beat Bugs no Beat Bugs is insects and they sort of surprises you because the opening theme tune is all you need is love and you go fucking hell how they they must have spent a fortune getting the rights to that as the theme tune but it's the beat, they're the beat bugs, and every episode is based around a Beatles song, and it's a sort of weird insects doing Beatles songs. Um, but because a lot of Beatles songs have uh, like names of people in them, right? So you know, there's Ellen Rigby, yeah. Martha, my dear, all this stuff. Yeah. And so a lot of it is just another insect coming in who's called that. Uh, and I was watching one the other day, which was there's a character called Maxwell. I think, oh great, they're going to do uh, <laughs> you know, Maxwell Silverham. That's a great song for kids. <laughs> And then I realised they probably wouldn't use... They, they, didn't, they still called a character Maxwell. I'm assuming they're either holding their gunpowder on that one waiting for the right moment right. for him to go around smashing all the other insects in the head. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they just... If there's a contentious phrase, they sometimes leave it out of the song. But yeah. they, don't, they don't ever change it to, you know, bang, bang, Maxwell, silver hammer comes down on a nail. You know, yeah. they don't... So, but I just wonder if we could think of what the worst... Beatles songs to put in a children's cartoon about insects would be. It's, it's such a surreal. My daughter loves it, though. Yeah. I mean, Helter Skelter, I suppose. Yeah, Helter Skelter. Um, about insects. Any ideas from well, the it audience? It doesn't have to be about the insects. I mean, there's that awful one about uh, run for your life, little girl. If I find you with another man, you'll be gone, oh, little girl. Yeah, that's that a one. very sh- a shocking yeah. song lyrically. I remember even listening to that as a youngster thinking, what? the hell is going on here? Um, Catch you with another man, you'll be dead. Yes, more or less. Little girl. No, that's the end. That's the end. Little girl, yeah. They do, which is, I think, maybe the Beatles did record this. That would be a bit too stark, wouldn't it? It's the song that... I'm going to kill you, little girl. Is it... Is it Badfinger did, if you want it, here it is, come and get it. Was That that was a Paul McCartney song, though, right? Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, But that's basically like a cheeky little song about, you know, if you want to have sex with me, come and get it. Yeah, it's going for you know if you watch the bad finger doing it. Well, it was a different time, Richard. But they can't put it in children's. They got Vintex going. If you want it, here it is. Come and get it. But you had a hurry because it's going fast. <laughs> it's so you know the story of Badfinger. It is Badfinger, isn't it? Yeah, that they all kind of killed themselves. That's right. It's tragic because it's really because tra- you see that song and then re- when the, when you see the video of it, he's so enjoying. The cheek, even as he's performing on TV, this is such a cheeky song. I'm having to say, he's such a lovely guy. The guy singing it, such a horrible story. Let's end. Let's end the <laughs> let's series. End the <laughs> let's end the series. <laughs> if you want it, here it is. Come and get it. I mean, they're insects. It's fine. They have sex. That's oh, fucking that's insects. Right. That's all right. And you, there's a new, there's a new series. I watched a bit of a Messi goes to Okinawa. Yeah, series Okinawa. two. Yeah, I mean... That's we... a nice deal to get. Someone was asking for you to sing the theme tune. Yeah. Can you sing the theme tune? Oh, um... Oh, my God. Come along and say hello. Messi goes to Okida. It's sort of... Let's uh, all meet our friends. Felix! Zim, zam, zoom! It's just shouting. Yeah. I just shout. It's good. It's, you're a good match for it. And... Uh, <laughs> 
Andy and the Crystal Maze, which we talked about a little oh, bit last yeah. time, but it hadn't been on by the time I watched you with Andrea from Loose Women. Uh-huh. You answer some riddles. All I remember is Big Nasty. <laughs> um, he was very good. Oh, I don't know him. Have you, have you not come across Big Nasty? No. Oh, mate. He's good value. Is he? Yeah. He's a big rapper man from, I think, South London. Okay. And I believe that it is not controversial to say that he smokes a lot of weed. (laughs) (laughs) So he is just in a cloud, a haze of doobie smoke. But you get a lot these days. You know, have you noticed that? Walking around town, like, you smell it a lot more. Yeah, well, actually, I was walking across Soho Square today, and... uh... I tweeted, can someone call the police? There's a man smoking a cannabis. Yeah. I didn't feel comfortable ringing the police myself because I'd actually accidentally inhaled some of the <laughs> cannabis smoke. thought I was an accessory to the crime. But yeah, just like at 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Yeah. Soho Square. You smell it a lot these yeah. days. Anyway, Big Nasty, I believe, yeah. uh, enjoys the occasional smoky smoke. Okay. And I think that he, there's a possibility he may have done on that day when we recorded <laughs> The Crystal Maze. And there was a, the, the clue was something like, so this is me with my head in a jar. Yeah. And they have to guess the riddle. They have to guess the right answer to the riddle in order to win the crystal. And, the, and what happens is they send me the riddles and generally i'll rewrite them to make them maybe a bit easier or to make them rhyme a bit more or something so this one i i'd really done it very easy i was worried it was too easy it was about like you know um what kind of animal am i come round uh, hop on over to my pad um yeah. you know and big nasty was absolutely flummoxed <laughs> He just couldn't get his head around it. And in the end, I just had to say, it's a frog. <laughs> a frog. First of all, it was because I could hear in my earpiece, they're saying, oh, you're going to have to give him more of a clue. <laughs> I was thinking, what have I, you know, I've said lily pad, hop on over, gribbit. And, no, in fact, that was the next thing I did was go, gribbit. Not a toad. I'm not a toad. <laughs> like a toad. And then eventually, yeah, I just had to say, a frog. <laughs> it's a frog. And even then he was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what are you talking about? He was nice, though. Yeah. He, he was on uh, Would I Lie to You the other day. It was, he was very funny. Oh, I must um, check him out. Yeah. I noticed that you're underwater in the jar, uh-huh. but uh, your breath <laughs> makes a cloud on the glass. Yeah. yeah. Quite a trick. It is a trick. And it's, <laughs> you would have thought they would have thought about that wouldn't you <laughs> and also they give me a little uh, cleaning cloth because it's very uncomfortable i'm sat underneath this uh spoiler alert I'm, they don't actually sever my head and pickle it i'm sat un- in in a very confined space they made it a bit more comfortable for me this year which okay, i really appreciate nice. maybe they heard me complaining about it on the podcast last time <laughs> and so now i'm actually sat on a chair which is good but i stick my head up through the jar and then, as you say, it immediately fogs up. Um, and so they give me a cloth, and I had to kind of stick the cloth up. In the very confined space, and just do that quickly. Before we roll, it's all very glamorous. Um, Let's get you on telly. Yeah. You're back on the telly. I suppose. It's all working for you. I've never seen one of my episodes, though. My I'm daughter gonna... was so excited, because she likes yeah. uh, the show. But so far, we've never actually seen me on it so I don't know if they, they actually use me or not you've, you've been on it it's fine. I've been you've on been it alright well I think we'll wrap up but I was gonna because my man's coming to pick up these chairs in two minutes oh okay 
slightly curtailed by that. 50 next June. You are? You are. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're already 50, I'm 50 aren't I'm you? I'm 51. I'll be 52 nearly by the time you're 50. How is it? Oh. Did you have a party? I didn't, know. My wife sort of suggested we'd just moved and it was a bit of a... And I don't really like anyone anymore. Mm. Um, so it gets harder. It does. Have you lost any friends? What, to... to not, like, not lost? Not to death. Okay. <laughs> I've um, lost... We've all lost some to I mean, death. I mean, you know, I don't see my friends very much. I, like, when I see them, I still... I'm friendly. Fallen out with anyone? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Just this, the, the, this, like, in the last few years, and quite a few of my other friends have as well. Yeah. I think it's weird. You reach a certain point, and then everyone gets very touchy. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it's very easy to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, and it's like, it's weird. It took me by surprise. It happened a couple yeah. of times. Do you think, um, you know, my, I worried about more at 40, but, you know, being this, both of us are sort of have this boyish sense of humour, I would say. <laughs> and yeah. do you feel being 50, you can, we can keep this on, or will we turn into... Commu- we're sort of slightly curmudgeonly. Yes. No, always... I'm, sure that, that, I'm sure that to some people we are creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird, it, it, because you do. You feel young, don't you? But yeah. when you look in the mirror, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, and uh, you always hear people saying that, but it's true, and... I suppose you do have to bear it in mind a little bit. Yes. So you think? Well, just at what point? I, also, I almost think if you get to 60 or 70, it becomes okay again. But I think there's just like a little island in the middle of between 40 and 60 where it's sort of a bit weird being a, being a baby man. Yeah. No, I was talking to Simon Pegg about that okay, yeah. on, on my podcast, about the, uh, the feeling like, wow, we're this generation that championed behaving childishly and not putting away childish things yeah. and playing with our toys and me and Joe waggling them around on TV and stuff like that. And, uh, and now I've got children. It does feel very odd. I do, I do feel ill-equipped to provide some sort of <laughs> guidance for them because I'm stupid. See? Yeah, I think it's nice as long as one person in the family is a bit more sensible. Yeah, plus... I, I cheer myself up by thinking a lot of the people I like and admire had very difficult childhoods, you know, and parents that were cruel to them sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, people can still turn out okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> See how my children turn out. So, you know, I'm just saying that I have the option. I haven't been cruel to them yet, I don't yeah. think. Well, no, no but, but also I just think they're, they're already who they are. Yeah. You can guide him a little bit, but... Falling down very squirrely on the nature side. Yeah, of but I think so. I think, nature, I, think I think they come out and they're who they are. Yeah. And you can help a little bit. Meanwhile, <laughs> drink it up! <laughs> Put your feet up, have some fun, it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> well, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for coming in. Thanks You've for having me. You've made me laugh. You've made me a little bit bored at one point. Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> was it the first you made me laugh stuff? again. It was all right. <laughs> or was it the skiing? We'll I've loved it, it all. I've loved it all. Uh, so, <laughs> so, 
thank you very much for supporting the podcast. We'll be back in 2019 with loads more. Uh, Les Square Theatre from uh, 4th of February, which you might be already when you're listening to this. Uh, but also, we're coming around the country. Look out for us, Birmingham, definitely, and lots of other places in 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a massive round of applause. Four times, Rahula Slipper. And a Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye. <laughs>